Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today, we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story about revealing a friend's dirty secret. But first, my boss was a huge jerk so I took his job and fired him. One of the first advancements in my business career happened when I decided to take a risky step, a step that, if I was wrong, would have cost me my job. I did it anyway, and it paid off big time. And when I say paid off big time, I'm not talking about the salary. I got a big promotion that bumped me higher than my pain-in-the-neck boss. And taking into consideration all the hardship he had put me through, I made the rational decision of firing him from the company. Here's how it all happened. The year I left college was the toughest I've ever had. I promised myself that I wasn't going to move back into my mom and her boyfriend's house. I loved my mom of course, but her boyfriend Dave? He's kind of a jerk. I wanted my own place, so I moved in with my best friend from college, Julian. We were both broke, so we decided that we were going to split the rent. I needed to get a job, and fast. I applied for internships at some companies, but I rejected their offer as they were all unpaid. I had to get a job as a busboy in a restaurant in the meantime, just till I could get enough money so I could actually stand on my two feet. I worked and saved for a full year before I could actually achieve this. Julian, on the other hand, was studying to take the bar. I reapplied to companies I applied to in the last year, and none of them accepted my application, probably because I failed to get back to them the last year. Anyways, I had to do more cold emailing and it took over a full month of consistent emailing before I got some positive replies. Two companies offered me an internship position. I did a quick research on both of them and I picked the superior company. The morning of my first day as an intern, I woke up early because I was too excited to sleep through the night. Finally, I was starting work in a career I'd spent a large portion of my life dreaming about. I was so excited and nervous at the same time. I changed my shirt at least three times. Eventually, I left for work. On getting to the office, it all turned out a little bit disappointing. A lot disappointing, actually. Turned out that a market research intern was way different from a market research analyst. Most of what I did that day was get coffee and make photocopies. I was really annoyed. I was on my feet running to the Starbucks or the photocopy machine and back. It was really stressful and I was just grateful when the day ended. The next six months of my life were pretty much more of the same thing. Eventually I finished the internship and started to work as a full-time staff. Now I know I was supposed to be happy about this because this is what I've wanted for a long time, right? Well I was happy for two short days. Then the head of market research, Mr. Blauman, was transferred to oversee the new branch cross country. A new guy, Jerry, was brought on board to oversee our department. I didn't think anything of it at first, but after his speech, which kinda sounded like him threatening to fire everyone if we didn't work to his satisfaction, I made a mental note to watch out for him. That didn't work for long though because you can only fly under someone's radar if he had his eyes focused on something else. What do you do when he has his sights trained on you? During one of our departmental meetings, Jerry discussed a new plan of approach for advertising for a new batch of goods. And while I strongly opposed his idea, 
I kept silent because I didn't want to be noticed by him. But that day, Jerry called me by my name and asked for my opinion on his plan. My first instinct was, what the heck was happening? And how did he know my name? I stood up and stayed silent for a minute as I looked at all the eyes staring at me. At first, I told him it was a good plan and I'm down with it, but he waved me off. He said he wants to hear fresh, out-of-the-box ideas, and since I was the newest recruit, he wanted to hear them from me. I let down my guard and told him why his plan wasn't the best approach and why, and then I gave him my plan. Jerry was smiling all through my speech, and I thought it was fine, and I was crushing it. Little did I know that it was all an act. By the time I was done, Jerry looked up at me and then smiled again. But this time I could see that the smile didn't reach his eyes. He rose from his seat and said, So you think my idea is trash? I didn't expect that kind of reaction and I didn't know how to answer. I just stood there, stammering like a person with impaired speech. Eventually he laughed it off and said that he was just messing with me. I heaved a sigh of relief because I really wanted to believe that it was all a joke. But it wasn't after that day. I noticed the subtle changes with Jerry. He started to pay more attention to me and my work. He even started to give me the toughest tasks to do. I would have been okay with that if it ended there, but it didn't. Jerry started to make a habit of calling me up during departmental meetings to ask for my ideas. It looked like an innocent and friendly gesture at first glance, but it was all an avenue to embarrass and make me look small and incompetent to the other staff members. It was really demoralizing at the time that at one point I really wanted to quit. I talked to Julian about this, and he was the one that gave me the strength to keep going. He reminded me that except if I wanted to go back to being a busboy or move into my mom's house, the job was all I got, and I had to make the best of it. One time I decided to try a new approach with Jerry. I bought him a bottle of vodka, then apologized for undermining him during the first departmental meeting. I let him understand that it wasn't my intention to do that and that all I wanted was to help the company get better. Jerry gave me his unwavering attention all the time I spoke, and at the end of my speech slash apology, he shrugged and said that he didn't have a problem with me. He said that my idea at the first departmental meeting was a good one, and he'd only been hard on me because he'd been trying to hold me to that standard. Then he thanked me for the drink and walked away. What the heck? I didn't know how to take his reply, and I just decided to hold on and see if there would be any positive change. Spoiler alert, there wasn't. It was as though, after the apology, our work relationship took a turn for the worst. He started to treat me no more than he would an intern. He made me get his coffee and run errands. It was awful. And when I thought he couldn't get any worse than that, he kicked it up a notch. Exactly eight months after I started to work as a full-time staff in the company, Jerry gave us all a project to work on during our meeting. We were supposed to work on some kind of draft for a market research, and I thought, yes, this is going to be my chance to blow Jerry's mind. I stayed late at work doing my research, and I spent sleepless nights working on the draft. I must have torn and crumpled over a thousand papers because, for that week, my room looked like where they dumped paper trash. Eventually, the draft was ready, and I presented it to Jerry with a big grin on my face. I stood in his office as he read through and I nodded at him anytime he turned to glance my way. When he was done, he smiled and I exhaled a sigh of relief. I was pretty sure he liked it. This, at last, was going to be the start of our new relationship, I told myself. 
But boy, I was in for a big surprise. He flung the folder across the room and fixed me a stern gaze. Then he went on a long rant about how incompetent I was and how I made the whole company look bad. He told me I'd better buckle up or he was going to demote or fire me. I was heartbroken. I thought I knew pain when I caught my high school girlfriend's sucking face with some exchange student from Argentina in the school's storage room. But this was pain on a whole nother level. All the work I'd put into that project? Wasted. And all I got for my sleepless nights was a screaming boss. It was so demoralizing that I started to doubt my abilities as a market research analyst. I took a trip to the bar that day and got totally drunk. The next day was a Saturday, so no matter. I was pretty depressed during the weekend, and it took a really rousing speech from attorney Julian and my girlfriend Shannon to finally get me off the couch. They reminded me that I was really good at what I did, and my boss was being a jerk for not seeing that. Eventually, I believed them, and I went to work the next Monday with the little shred of self-esteem I had left. There was supposed to be a meeting with the boss and the investors that day, and the junior analysts were supposed to be there. But that day, for some reason, Jerry didn't want me there. His reason? Well, he didn't want me to embarrass the whole research department. He gave me a huge pile of work to do, and everyone else went to the meeting. Close to 30 minutes into the meeting, I found a file underneath the pile I was sorting. It was a very important file for the meeting they were having and I knew I had to bring it to them. I walked into the conference room with the file in my hand, and to my shock, the research department had started their presentation, and Jerry was leading the presentation with the project idea I gave to him the week before. The same one he flung across the office and yelled at me for. By the end of the meeting, I stormed into Jerry's office and demanded an explanation. He shrugged it off and told me that he saw potential in my project idea and he made it better. That was a blatant lie. I stood inside the conference room for minutes, listening to him make the presentation. He didn't change a single thing. I didn't argue further. Jerry still had the power to fire me and I didn't want to push my luck. I got back to my cubicle and just sat to think. This wasn't the first time something like this was happening. During the first meeting too, my idea ended up being used, even when Jerry gave me heck because of it. The way he behaved, it was almost like he saw me as a threat. He bullied me at every chance he gets. That was why he never carried out his threat of firing me. He needed my ideas because he knew that he wasn't good enough on his own. I was so mad, and I decided that one way or another, I was going to get my revenge by humiliating him as much as he did me. At the end of the month, the market research department was supposed to work on another project for a presentation. Jerry, as usual, decided to dump the work on me. He said he wasn't going to use it anyways because he had a plan of his own, but he wanted me to get better at my research. That was a lie, of course, and I wasn't buying it. I was supposed to get the project done by the end of the weekend, but as soon as I got home that Friday, I sent Jerry a text saying I wasn't feeling well and that I wouldn't be able to work on the project. I spent the time working on a killer draft. You know, in case Jerry's presentation was as bad as I hoped. That Monday, Jerry marched to my desk and I swear I could see the veins sticking out from his neck and head. He started to scream about me leaving my phone off for the whole weekend. He asked me about the draft and I told him I didn't work on it because I wasn't feeling well. 
He stared at me for what seemed like hours, and at one point I thought he was having a heart attack. Before he could say anything, one of the office assistants came to tell him that the CEO and investors were ready for the meeting. Jerry looked so disoriented as he heard this, he started to sweat and hyperventilate. At one point, I wanted to ask him what was so important about my draft since he wasn't going to use it anyways. I kept that thought to my mind though. I needed my job to exact my revenge. The meeting started, and when it was the research department's turn, Jerry stepped up. His presentation was, how do I say this, really awful. He went off topic 50% of the time, and he failed to give any actual ideas for advertisement or customer traction. It was excruciating to watch, and after a few minutes, one of the investors stopped him and walked out. The others were about to follow when I stopped them and told them that I had an idea of my own. They allowed me to do another presentation, and I crushed it. The CEO was awed by my presentation, that after the meeting he asked to speak with me. During our discussion, I made sure to chip in that I was the one that came up with the idea Jerry used at the last meeting. By the time I was done, the CEO decided that I was wasting my talents as a junior research analyst. He decided to promote me to head of the market research department. That was Jerry's job. When I pointed this out to him, he said that Jerry was incompetent and he didn't even know what to do with him. I suggested to fire him since he wasn't adding value to the company. I still remember the look on Jerry's face when the CEO told him to pack his stuff and leave. It was priceless. I didn't feel bad for him one bit. He didn't deserve the job. I just wonder how he got it in the first place. I'm only happy that I finally got the recognition that I deserved. I'm glad OP stood up for themselves because, God forbid, that would be torture working in a position where you're doing this fabulous work, and then they're just stealing it and taking credit for it. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. This dude was awful and deserved to get fired a long time ago. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy crazy stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our final crazy story of revenge is, I revealed my friend's infidelity to her husband. My former friend and her husband are well on their way to getting a divorce after being separated for four months. None of that would have happened if I didn't reveal her infidelity to her husband. Before you call me a big-mouthed, terrible friend, hear why I did that. We both met in high school where our parents worked. Her dad was the school's principal before he died, and my mom was one of the teachers. We both connected over our shared background as staff kids. We even had a little club consisting of us and other kids whose parents were staff in the school. Some had parents who were janitors and teachers, and some were even on the school's board. We talked about stuff like kids who were mean to us just because they didn't like our parents, 
We sometimes try to convince our parents to do certain things that would benefit students. Some other times we just hung out and had fun with one another. Most times though, we were talking about yet another person who hated my friend for being the principal's kid. She would talk about how these people were jealous of her, how one of them in one of her classes made a nasty comment about her, and we would plot with her on how to get them. The members of the club were her pawns to do her bidding and fight whoever crossed her. We, the other members of the group and I, got into all sorts of trouble in school trying to fight her battles because she was too cowardly to go after her supposed enemies. She always had an excuse for why she couldn't confront them by herself or did whatever she wanted to be done in person. If she needed to drop a note in someone's locker or tell them to back off, we did that for her. She was either certain that she would be noticed if she did it herself, but none of us would if we did it for her, or that her father's job was at stake. Now that I'm telling the story, I feel stupid for falling for all of that. We all had parents who were staff in the school, and we were putting their jobs in jeopardy too. A few times we got caught running her errands and exerting revenge for her. I especially got caught the most, and it was mostly because I wasn't so subtle. Everyone knew me as the bad girl, but she was praised as the good one. The calm, collected principal's kid who obeyed all the rules and was liked by all the grown-ups. It wasn't until long after many of the other kids outgrew our little club that I noticed that my friend lied about her enemies in the bullying. Usually, she was the one who tried to bully those people, or she would simply get threatened by something as harmless as them making a smart contribution in class and the teacher praising them. She would tell me, oh, this girl made fun of my shoes in Spanish class, I hate her so much. But then we would be walking together in the hallway, and she would see that girl and be the first to say hello to her. I soon started to notice how important it was to my friend to come off as the good person not caring if she had to sacrifice someone, usually me, in the process. Her mom found a pack of cigarettes in her drawer when we were in our senior year in high school, and she lied that I owned them. She even added that she had seized them from me to stop me from constantly smoking because she noticed I was doing it too much. She thought her mom would let it go since she had lied about not being the owner, but her mom was concerned about me. She made her husband speak to my mom about it in school. Imagine how terrified I was when my mom asked me about it when she returned home from school one day. I was ill and couldn't go to school that day. My mom was supposed to drive me to the pharmacy to pick up my drugs, but she drove home immediately after close to ask me what was going on. Luckily, my mom believed me when I told her that I'd never smoked and that it wasn't true. I kept wondering why my friend would lie about that. I didn't even think that she could be smoking because I didn't know she'd started to smoke cigarettes. When I returned to school the day after, I asked her why she did that. She apologized profusely and told me another lie. She lied that she caught her boyfriend smoking and she took the cigarette from him to encourage him to stop. She didn't want to tell her parents because they wouldn't understand and would make her stop seeing him. I did not believe her one bit. She told me the same lie she told her mom. She never admitted to being the owner of the cigarettes. Her boyfriend at the time, who eventually became her husband, was the preacher's son in the church my mom and I attended. One Sunday, we had a teenager's brunch in church, and I casually asked him if he smoked. I knew he didn't, but I wanted to be sure. Apart from being deeply religious, he was a very health-conscious person, even at that age. 
His eyes widened with shock when I asked him. He said, of course not. Cigarettes literally have warnings not to smoke on them. I can't think of a worse way to desecrate God's temple. I rolled my eyes at his comment. No would have been just fine, I muttered. He heard me and smiled. I didn't tell him that I thought my friend was smoking, though. We were close to finishing high school when my friend got pregnant. The pregnancy test kit she had bought dropped from her purse and her mom picked it up. When she asked her who bought it, my friend again lied that she bought it for me because I was too embarrassed to buy it and that I thought I might be pregnant. Luckily, her mom didn't run off to tell my mom or my mom would have freaked out. My mom had me when she was 20 and still in college. It was tough for her, navigating college as a pregnant woman and even tougher having to leave me with my grandparents to focus on her studies. My mom had made me promise to be careful and never make the mistake she made. If anyone were to have told her that they suspected that I was pregnant, she would have freaked out. I visited my friend's home that night and her mom answered the door. She looked like she was expecting me and quietly led me upstairs to her home office. My friend was sitting there on a couch in a pensive mood. Do you think you might be pregnant? That was the first question her mother asked after she shut the door. I was confused and for a moment wondered if the question was directed at me. At the time, I wasn't hooking up at all. I didn't even have a boyfriend. When I confidently said no and even added that I wasn't having sex, my friend confessed that she may be pregnant. Her mom had her tested and it came out positive. Since my friend's boyfriend was a preacher's son, his parents were never going to let him have a baby outside wedlock. My friend got married just months after she clocked 18. It didn't bother me that my friend had lied on two occasions that I was doing what she was doing. I knew it was a problem, but I forgave it, mostly because I believed it hadn't done any real damage. By that time, I'd already noticed her selfishness and cowardly behavior, but I never even confronted her about it, and that was a big mistake on my part. The last straw for me was when years later, my friend spread rumors about me in the church. I returned to town after college because I wanted to be close to my mom who was ill at the time, and we stayed friends, but she had changed a bit when I came back to her. She was a lot more insecure, more judgmental, and self-righteous. I was driving around town when I saw my friend and a popular guy we went to high school with coming out of a motel. They parted ways with a kiss on the cheek and each went to their cars. My friend had sunglasses on, the kind of sunglasses people wore in Hollywood when they were trying not to be recognized. I was shocked, but I kept driving. I didn't take my friend to be someone who would cheat on her husband, though I knew she tended to be bad and could be a bad girl sometimes. She always had to be the girl who could not do the thing she wanted to do for fear of being judged. She badly wanted to maintain a reputation as the good student, daughter, and wife. The next time I saw her, I admitted to seeing her at the motel. She was going to deny it, but I just rolled my eyes at her. She knew it was game over, so she admitted to being with him. They'd been together for a while. I said, if you're not happy in your marriage, why not leave? She shook her head. I'm happy, it's just complicated. I shrugged it off and we talked about other stuff. In our conversations, she would mention her lover and I would struggle to prevent my face from betraying my feelings. I just did not think that my friend's husband deserved that. He was a good husband to her and a great father to their daughter. A month later, I noticed that people looked at me differently in church. Our church was a small one, so everyone knew everyone and my mom was a fervent member of the church. 
and was in the choir before she became ill, so naturally everyone knew me. My mom at some point noticed it too. The stares, some looked concerned, some looked horrified, and some others judgmental and rude. I chalked it up to church people being weird. They judged everyone for nearly everything. I was never a big churchgoer. I believed in all, but I didn't care much for the people, especially the people in the church we attended. My mom cares very much about what people say, so she set about asking questions, trying to find out why people were shooting dirty looks at me. It turned out that some women in the church had taken it upon themselves to discourage young women and girls from getting abortions. They went to a clinic and spotted my friend around the corner. She told them that she had come to make inquiries for me. She lied that I'd gotten pregnant and didn't want to keep it because I had too many responsibilities, one of which was my ailing mother. Her story was believable, so it made rounds in the church. I guess to make people not judge her for helping me go to a clinic, my friend went around telling her whoever cared to ask that she only did what she did because she was trying to be a supportive friend. Many people in the church knew I wasn't the most religious person around, so they believed her, hence the judgment. When my mom told me, I was furious. I could not believe that my friend, even after many years, was still trying to make me her fall guy because she was too cowardly to take responsibility for her actions. I didn't care for the people in church and their reasons for judging me. If I'd wanted to get that procedure done, it wasn't their business. But my friend putting me in a position where everyone would cast aspersions at me made me question whether she was truly my friend. I called her that night to ask her about it. Let's talk about this later, she said casually when I asked her. I said, I just want to know if you told them that. We'll discuss this the next time we see each other, she insisted. Listen, I need to go. She hung up. In anger, I decided I was going to get my pound of flesh by telling her husband that she was cheating on him. I waited for her to call the next day, but she didn't call me. I waited the whole day, but she didn't. The next morning, I called the church office and asked to speak to her husband. I told him she was cheating and told him with whom she was cheating with. We all went to high school, so he knew who the other man was. He'd probably suspected something because he didn't sound surprised. Did you know about this? I asked him. He said, not at all. I've just recently suspected that she's a witch. I regret ever letting my parents convince me to marry her. I felt bad for him, but I was trying to get back at my friends, so I couldn't afford to be too sentimental. I considered telling everyone in church, but I didn't want to hurt her husband. He was going to feel embarrassed, so I figured telling him about his wife's infidelity was enough. I guess he confronted her almost immediately because she must have called me more than 20 times almost an hour later. Her husband told his parents what had happened, and he moved out of their matrimonial home. As I mentioned earlier, it was a small church. Word got around and she was too ashamed that she stopped going to the church. Her parents were ashamed, so they left too. My friend eventually took her daughter and left town. She tried to reach out to me months later to apologize for what she did and thank me for helping her admit to herself that she had issues. My mom encouraged me to pick up her call since she left too many messages for me and I did. We spoke about what she was doing with her life at the time, and she told me that she was considering going back to college. I didn't trust her enough to let her back into my life. We'd hurt each other too much, and I did not trust that she wasn't trying to get back into my life for payback. 
so I never let my guard down. She got tired of trying and stopped. After an experience like that where this friend betrayed you multiple times, if you even want to call him a friend, I wholeheartedly agree with OP's method of just you can't let that person back into your life. Unless they've got something that makes you want to believe them wholeheartedly, they just proved way too many times that they're more than willing to stab you right in the back. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.